Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello. Welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywin, and I am the Lackadaisical Librocubicalist. Today, my friends, is Internet Day. Combining Friday and the Internet since 2012. Fish, I think. Pretty sure I don't remember. Something I like to say at the top of every show is a spoiler warning. However, on Fry Internet Days, I do not give spoiler warnings because I don't really feel warning of spoilers from things from the internet is making sense. Um, however, uh, double however, the fact that I always say that I don't give spoiler warnings is in itself a sort of spoiler warning when you really think about it. But don't think too long or too hard. Because <clears throat> we got a lot to cover. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. That is ridiculous. <clears throat> the only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend, perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what helps podcast grow and flourish. Flourish. All of that said, I suppose, will take us into our last piece of podcast-related news, which is today's sponsor, which is AAA... Holographic Piano Movers Incorporated. Once again, today's sponsor is AAA Holographic Piano Movers Incorporated. Thank you to them for sponsoring this. So very nice of you. Okay, so uh, without further preamble, I think I should hop right in, because as I say, and as quite often happens on a Fry Internet Day, saying day rhyme, uh, I got a lot to cover, I suppose. Well, four things. Two, three and a half things. Okay, well, not that much to cover. Yeah, but still. Yeah, but still. The first is a TED Talk title. TED Talk title, TED Talk title, which I always like to mention is fun to say. So please, say it along with me. TED Talk title, TED Talk title, TED Talk title. Alliteration. Yay. The title of this one was The Strangeness of Scale at Twitter. Interesting. Uh, this is one of the head muckety-mucks, I guess, over there at Twitter. And I have realized I didn't write down her name. But she seemed to know her business pretty good. Her business is... How would you boil this down? I guess weeding and having computers weed through tweets that could be quote-unquote harmful because uh, despite the fact that many consider Twitter, I guess, sort of a jungle of anything can happen, uh, no, there are some rules and there are some tweets that occasionally get taken down 
for the reason that they, uh, I guess, violate their terms of service and such. Sort of the, the cool right off the bat fact is that in January 2009, uh, there were on average 2 million tweets a day. Wow, that's a lot of tweets a day from January 2009, right? In January of 2014, there were approximately 500 million tweets a day. So that's a bit of a jump. Hupworths. Jesus. So how does a company police 500 million tweets a day? Uh, obviously, there's going to have to be some automation involved. Uh, but she does point out how that is not always possible. And that makes sense because uh, you can develop uh, programs to distinguish quote-unquote harmful tweets, but um, they're only going to find tweets that fit the parameters that you have typed into the program. Just one of those uh, kind of cool and how do we get past computer type things like a computer or an artificial intelligence is usually only as smart as the programmer who programmed it, right? Uh, and are there ways around that? I, I know we're sort of moving into the age of computers that can learn, which is kind of scary to be 100% uh, with you, but uh, also incredibly fascinating. <laughs> I've written down that this girl is a harmful tweet searcher-outer, so she's always searching out harmful tweets. Uh, she points out that for the most part, tweets are not going to be harmful. You're, they're your friggin' pictures of cats, the, uh, here, this is what I had for dinner, have a look at it. Uh, you know, s pretty much majority of stupid things. Say if even uh, one in a million tweets is harmful, uh, that's 500 a day that are harmful because there's 500 million in a day. So, uh, because of the, the, the huge scale of this thing, that means there's going to be, uh, you know, a little, uh, a little digging through some of these tweets uh, on a scale that makes it impossible for a human being to do on their own. Yeah, so uh, she, as you can imagine, threw out some examples of tweets that at first glance are harmful, but then with a little uh, digging down, we find that they are not. And I think that's where the computer would program would have difficulty, because it would see this tweet, say, oh, that's a harmful tweet, but then once some digging into it happened, we would see, oh, okay, well, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the first one is, uh, was just someone tweeting, yo, bitch, which uh, I'm kind of surprised, even if, and this was not directed at a woman, I mean, that's not nice, and you shouldn't tweet at women, yo, bitch, but uh, is that harmful? Should it be policed? Something like that? I don't know. Uh, it turns out that in this case, it was a picture of a dog. <laughs> so it was as if the dog was saying, yo, bitch. And it was a female dog, which we all know is what a, a bitch is. So it was, in fact, humorous. Hmm. Uh, another example, and this one made, made a lot of sense, was spam. Uh, so people who create Twitter accounts who sort of tweet out the same thing over and over again. Quite often the Twitter robot that is searching for harmful tweets will see this and say, no, that's not right, you're blocked. Now it turns out there are some uh, services or uh, Twitter accounts that are used as sort of, I don't want to say alarms, but uh, alerts, alerts. Yeah, that's, that's the word I'm looking for. 
So you'll sign up for this Twitter account, and then its tweets will be sort of alerts to certain things happening, and the reason you have signed up to follow this Twitter account is because you want to get these alerts. So the Twitter robot would say, no, this isn't, this is not right. He is, th this account is tweeting the same thing over and over again. And then the, the human being, this girl, would look at it and say, oh, okay, people have signed up for this account to get alerts on what have you, I don't know. Hell, maybe even Amber Alerts, for example. And one thing she pointed out that sort of got a round of applause even is that, uh, and this was something I had no idea happened, is that when you take a picture on your uh, cell phone, that picture has with it uh, geodata. Uh, what that means is there is data within that picture that if you know, if you have the know-how, you can find out where the picture was taken. So say, for example, if you uh, are at home and take a picture of your priceless Ming vase, which we all have priceless Ming vases, right? Uh, and then a robber slash hacker can then see where that picture was taken and then find out where you live and then steal your priceless Ming vase, which would be not very nice. So what Twitter does is strip away all of that data, which is uh, good for them. It's, uh, and I can, I suppose, understand why it gets that applause that they took this extra step that is presumably not an easy step to take and cost them presumably a shit ton of money to put that in place, and yet are keeping people safe, if you will, keeping this harmful tweeting data from the masses. Cool. Uh, yeah, my thought there is, does Facebook do that? I kind of doubt. I kind of doubt. So, keep that in mind. Okay, let's move on to item the second, and this is sort of my half item, just because it is more of an announcement of a to-be item than anything else. If you've listened to many Fry Internet Day episodes of this podcast, you will know occasionally, probably five-ish times, maybe even more, I have brought back episodes of the web series Tabletop, starring Mr. Will Heaton as host, where he and three others will play a tabletop board game, film it, and then we get to uh, see that board game in action, and there's usually hijinks and no low jinks, because low jinks is bad. Hmm. Anyways, the announcement is uh, that season three is a go. Yeah, uh, it turns out for the first two seasons, they had their funding through sort of YouTube and a YouTube new channel initiative, but uh, because they are two years old, they no longer get that funding. So, uh, in order to pay for season three, and when you when you watch an episode of Tabletop, you can see that sort of behind the scenes there's a lot going on, and that this is not something that is cheaply or easily made. There's a lot of sort of production values and values and values involved, so it makes sense that they need money. And uh, I suppose they could have gone the sponsor route, and maybe that is part of their funding for Season 3. Maybe we'll see some sponsors, I don't know. But uh, the route that Will Heaton decided to go is through crowdfunding ah, on uh, Indiegogo. Indiegogo. I don't think there's an A there. So uh, when I ori originally wrote down this note, they were still sort of uh, working their way towards full funding and hadn't yet been 100% funded. Uh, since I wrote that note, they just friggin' flew to full funding. So it is a go, officially. And I think this this particular crowdfunding 
thing may be one of the quickest funded ever. So uh, that just goes to show you that when the interwebs like something, and there is the possibility that that something may go away, the internet will fight to keep it there with their funds, like in a crowd, crowdfunding, sure, ah, yes. Now, uh, it is officially funded, so it's going to happen, but uh, what's kind of cooler as well is this particular funding campaign still has, like, jeez, uh, I don't know what it would be now, 20, 30 days? It still has a, quite a long time before it is completed. So uh, the more money they get in this sort of interim between being funded and just constantly gaining monies, uh, the more they're going to do. For example, their next milestone is doing, I think, three more episodes, uh, and then their next milestone after that, which I think is a million dollars, perhaps, uh, they're going to do a sort of spin-off series where they play role-playing games. That I would love to see. Because uh, I think I've mentioned this, my favorite episode of Tabletop was a two-parter. Chris Hart was there, if I do recall. I forget what the other guests were. And they played a... Um, Oh, what the hell is that video game? They played a Dungeons and Dragons-esque role-playing board game that is based on a video game, and the video game is called... <laughs> the video game that I've played a million times. Oh my god, I can't believe I don't remember. Dragon... Why do I think it has Dragon in it? Dragon Age. Dragon Age. Oh, man. That was hard to get out of my brain, that, for some reason. Anyways, yeah, that was my favorite episode, so to have an entire season devoted to Dungeons and Dragons-esque, let's say, games such as that. I guess it doesn't have to be fantasy, because there are non-fantasy role-playing games, which I'd be curious to see how they work, and if they work as well. In fact, on that note, uh, what you can do, since I'm just about at work and don't have time to get in my last two items right this second, talk of something that happened many, many years ago and probably you can still find online, and it is called um, I Hit With My Axe. Is that what it was called? Jordan, double-check that that is what it is called. If you don't hear me now saying what it was actually called, that's what it was called. Anyways, it was a group of porn stars who sat around and played Dungeons & Dragons. Now, this was not porn stars who had never played Dungeons & Dragons and were doing it for the purposes of entertainment, all sort of scantily clad. Although that sounds like it might be interesting as well. No, this was actual porn stars who had been playing a game for years and years. They don't get all, like, gussily, sexily dressed up. They do it as if they're just sort of friends hanging out and playing. And uh, that's the other route you can go, the, the more nerdy of the routes. And uh, I had great fun watching them play for... Jeez, was it on for a year? There's there's a quite a number of episodes out there. It kind of ended abruptly, sadly. I think my favorite one was uh, Mandy Morbid. Uh, she actually, just in terms of hotness, yeah, okay, sure, whatever. So I recommend you check that out. Why don't you? It fits totally in with this tabletop internet day related theme, folks. I will have to go into work and do eight hours of work, and then. I will uh, meet you back here for my final two items plan. See, what I did was ask that as if it was a question, because it was, and then left a space for you to answer because it's like you're here in the car with me. Yeah? That makes no sense. But neither does a lot of the Liberal Cube things. Neither does a lot of the Liberal Cube things.
love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. Back. We are back. Back in action. Hello again. Well, I suppose I'm going to give you a little behind the scenes action. And that is, uh, it's actually been more than a work day. In fact, uh, it's been a work day and a night and another work day, and now it's the morning. So, uh, I took a little time between episode beginning and end. But what the hell, eh? I had stops to make, whereas now I don't have stops to make, so it's all in your benefit. Think of it that way. I wasn't going to mention it at all. However, I felt I had to mention, and this is the Canadian in me perhaps, that uh, it is April 15th in the actual, real, existing world, not within the Liberal Cube, where it's uh, for Internet Day, and uh, it is snowing out. There's a, there's a fairly significant amount of snow on the ground as I am saying these words, and it is April 15th. That should be illegal. Uh, it was 19 degrees yesterday. It's minus 3 and snowy today. Tomorrow, uh, it's supposed to be, I think, plus 3, so... That is fucked up. Even for me, a Canadian who's used to the extreme changings in weathers, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. I don't know what to say about it. I think uh, I shouldn't complain too hard because I've just noticed that going in the opposite direction that I am going in, going in, the line of cars is longer than I have ever seen. So there must be an accident in the opposite direction. So, I feel for those guys, at least. Something smells like it's burning, too. Okay, so that's enough, that's enough, whatever that was. Let's hop back into Fry Internet Day, where it's warm and toasty and there's no snow on the ground. Mm. Item the third, Vsauce 2. Ah. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with Vsauce, I have quite brought, quite often, rather, brought back uh, Vsauce. Uh, occasionally I've brought back Vsauce 2 and Vsauce 3. And this is one of the twos. Specifically, an episode of BDP. BDP. BDP number 46. That stands for Build It, Draw It, Play It. BDP. I like that. These are uh, Vsauce gentlemen, the three of them. Smart dudes. No wonder they are combined, probably the three most... If you take three people from the internet and you take these three in the same group of Vsaucers, one of, if not the most watched folk on the interwebs. Just period. So that's pretty impressive, right off the bat. Uh, I like these BDPs in particular because uh, it's sort of a specialty, it seems, of Vsauce 2 and 3, where they uh, throw things rapid-firely right at your face. And they're cool things that, that thank, thank Rod, or God if you prefer, they put the links to uh, the things that they say in their videos in the description, and I imagine that's going to take a little time setting that up, but it, it, it's much appreciated that they do so, because sometimes they'll just say the name of a thing, and you'll say, oh, that looks cool, and they'll give a two-second description of it, show a picture of it, and you're like, oh, man, that thing's awesome, and then it'll be gone. So if you didn't have the links in the description, it's, you know, 
be a lot tougher work. What I've done for our purposes here is just uh, written down a couple of the BDPs that they, uh, that Mr., uh, oh shit, I didn't write down his name, but that is because of the name Curse. The dreaded gypsy name Curse. I feel like I haven't uh, mentioned the name Curse in a while, but it is evidenced fairly often. That is the curse cursed upon me by the gypsy woman who, when I ran over her husband while receiving a blowjob, cursed me with the inability to remember names and uh, quite often even to remember to write them down. That name curse. So apologies to Vsauce 2 guy, because uh, I'm a big fan, but uh, didn't write your name down. Hmm. Name curse. Okay, so uh, thing the first is vinyl clocks. Vinyl as in records. LPs, I believe they used to call them. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, I suppose, old in some people's point, from some people's point of view. 32? 33. 30, born in 81. You do the math. <laughs> Making you do math. That's mean. Anyways, uh, records are before my time. Like, I, I never had a record player. I'm not, I'm not quite that old. My parents did have, but I did not. Straight into the cassette era for me. Uh, this was a gentleman, an artsy-fartsy folk, I would classify him, who uh, is taking uh, records from this era and turning them into clocks and uh, seems to have a whole sort of philosophy of taking things from the past and reusing them in different ways, and that, that sort of idea fascinates me, so I mention it here. And it's good for the planet, too, which is, you know, good for the planet. Uh, next was a uh, little robot garden lamps. This one, I, it's awesome. I want one. I don't really get it, though. <laughs> it's basically a garden lamp on four robotic legs that can kind of move around. They were big, too. They have sensors so they don't, like, trample on flowers and uh, run over your dog and eat your cat and things like that. So, presumably safe as well. Presumably one day the robot garden lamps will not take over the earth. So that's, that's, that's good to know. Makes me feel a little safer. Robot garden lamps taking over the globe. Ooh. I think I might already have a title, but that's pretty good. That's pretty good for a title. We could put that sort of colon post-title. Maybe. Autonomous drawing machines. Oh, I couldn't read my own writing there. Autonomous drawing machines. Kind of had the feel a little bit of those, oh, what were they called? Oh, I can't remember what they're called. Where you'd sort of put your pen in and then it would go around in circles and the circles would be very intricate and you could adjust things. Oh, what was that thing called? I can't remember. Kind of had the feel of that a little bit, but autonomous. So if you get this robot garden lamp hooked up with this uh, autonomous drawing machine, you could have a robot garden lamp drawing machine, and that is horrifying. Horrifying. I think this next one was my favorite, just because I'd seen it before. Uh, and sort of up close, they didn't show too many up close shots of it, and that is this guy who did this mural, giant friggin' mural, like, had to be, I'm gonna guess, and probably incorrectly, had to be like 20 feet long by 10 feet high, like huge, huge mural, mural. did it all in Sharpie, with a Sharpie, not a Sharpie, I should probably specify, because <laughs> a drawing of that size 
had to have been done with many, many Sharpies. I wonder how many, you know what, that's, that's a, my first question I would ask this, this guy. How many Sharpies did it take to draw this? Definitely check that out if you check any of these out because it's just beautiful. And the sort of immense, the amount of detail he put into it using just Sharpies and a white wall, just uh, just incredible. One of the things I, I read about it when I did see it was uh, that he was like three months past the time he said it would take him to do it. Something something to that effect. So that's that's interesting. Took him seven months overall, though. Yep. Seven months drawing on a wall with a Sharpie. <sighs> Glow in the dark art. That's pretty self-explanatory. Did some good examples, though. This, what I picture, is getting one of these. Um, getting some mushrooms, if you are so inclined. Of the magical variety. Not just some portobellos. Putting putting this in like a, a dark bathroom and then closing the lights off and just letting your mind explore it, man. Dude. Okay. Holographic Piano Duo. Ah, yes. Ever since that uh, Tupac holograph of him sort of coming on stage, I guess people have sort of sat up and take notice, taken notice of what holographs can do. This uh, this guy had a very, very smart idea, and that was he took a holographic image of himself playing piano, and then he was on stage with this holographic image of himself playing piano, and then he and the holograph, hologram, rather, had a duo. Yes, played piano, each of them. Presumably, the hologram was just a recording of him playing earlier, but still, yeah, but still, it was pretty, uh, pretty cool to see. Oh, I, I'm curious about how all that works, the Tupac and this one, how they get it, because it, it doesn't look like 100% lifelike or anything like that, but it, but it does look like it has sort of substance. So, uh, cool beans. Okay, lastly is a sound of tattoos. This one I had questions about. Uh, how does it work, first off? It's this device this guy developed that, this is what I'm taking away, and I don't know how accurate it is. You sort of put it above or on your tattoo, and then it reads the ink in your skin and plays music depending on the ink. And when I say depending on, I don't know how deep it is, what configuration it's in. I don't know. I don't know. Does it work with any tattoo? Do you need special tattoo ink? So many questions on this one have a tattoo on my arm in giant black letters that says relax so uh, I'm curious how that would sound to this device interesting very interesting okay so uh, that was the last of the BDPs let's move on to item the fourth the fourth and final item and that is from the good people over at revision 3 oh is this truck gonna run me off the road no, <laughs> snowplow, kind of in my lane, coming in the opposite direction, a little bit. Ah, oh boy. Anyways, Revision 3 uh, sat down for a casual Friday, as that is the name of one of their segments, Casual Friday, where they'll uh, sit around, some of them, a sort of rotating group of, of usually three people, We'll sit around, have some beers, and uh, pick a topic and talk about said topic. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I assume it's not so casual that uh, they don't have a subject to talk about before they sit down. 
I assume that, but maybe they do. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there's a there's a pre preordained topic. In this case, the topic was uh, indie games versus triple A games. Interesting. Interesting. Independent games versus your big Call of Duties and Skyrims and what have you. The very th- sort of first thing they pointed out was was sort of blew my mind a little bit, I guess because I'd never put much thought into this subject, but there's not really any games that uh, are sort of middle ground between the two. You've got your, you know, $10, $4, what have you, indie games, and then you got your $60 price tag uh, AAA games with not really anything in the middle ground, with the exception of Portal, the Portal series, Portal 1 and 2. Those games are not full price. Uh, they do have a lot of backing as far as funds. And the end result, I would consider up there and above a lot of uh, AAA games. And yet there is definitely maybe a little bit of that indie vibe as well, especially when you look at the price tag, which is usually, uh, I think it's like $20, something like that. So other than that, not really anything sitting in the middle there. Where that might change in the future is, of course, Steam. And they spoke uh, quite a bit of Steam. Uh, If you have a computer that is able to play video games and you like playing video games on your computer, you no doubt have Steam. I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I find myself going more and more often to Steam to check it out because there are these games that are incredible and not $60 that you can buy there, or in some cases games that have been out for a while and the prices drop dramatically, or when they have sales, sort of famous for their sales, in fact. Like I saw uh, Fallout New Vegas, I think it was like the collector's edition, so you get all the DLCs for 20 bucks. That was Fallout New Vegas and Fallout 3, my two favorite games of all time, and now it's 20 bucks. so check that out, why don't you? Most recently, uh, in the sort of indie sphere that I am playing, is Fez, which I'm not blown away by. It's pretty. It's just the platforming. I'm I'm not a big platforming guy. Uh-oh. Ah, these roads are bad. Uh, I will be bringing Fez back on a her video games day after my three-week hiatus, of course. Uh, also recently downloaded Starbound, which is still in beta. I, de- I debated so very much whether or not I should get it or wait until it was quote-unquote com- <laughs> completed. But uh, I couldn't resist because it looked like so much fun. I kind of wish I had awaited because I don't. It doesn't have a fully 100% polished feel to me. So also bring that back on a third video games day. They might share a third video games day. In fact. Okay, so lastly, I wanted to mention uh, an idea that Scott Bromley had, uh, almost a prophecy, if you will, and I thought it was very, very smart, so I wanted to mention it here. It was the thought that the big AAA companies will have sort of smaller sections within the company kind of branch out and create smaller indie game-feeling games, Uh, and I, I... thought that makes sense on so incredibly many levels that I don't know if that's going to happen, but it should, because then you would still have the AAA games, which, uh, oh shit, I think we need, I need, and then uh, still the financial backing that they receive, but on a perhaps smaller scale, team-wise, 
to create uh, more arty. Uh, and I, I kind of throw that around, which I don't know if it's 100% warranted. Uh, a lot of the times these indie games feel more arty than they do uh, the AAA games. More experiment is done within that realm than it is on a AAA game. Yeah, definitely. That, that, that's, a, that's a safe quote. As soon as he said that, I had what I think would be a brilliant idea. So, I wanted to mention it here. Yeah, hey, that's what this is for. Uh, and that is for Fallout 4. Fallout 4, presumably somebody somewhere is working on this game, I hope and pray to God. It is my most anticipated game of all time. Uh, I, like, at least once or twice a month will search out news for Fallout 4, and it's sort of slim pickings on any news of its happenings. Anyways, my thought is that the makers of Fallout 4 should have sort of a separate, smaller team uh, branch out from their making of that game. So say Fallout 4 has 100 people making it. I'm just kind of doing round numbers uh, and approximation of what I kind of know the teams of AAA games can be like. They could be even more than that, I'm sure. Anyways, so say you have 100 people making Fallout 4. Take, geez, take five of them. Hell, take, take five or ten of them and have them branch out and then make a sort of independent-feeling companion to Fallout 4. So Fallout 4.5, let's call it, that uh, sort of interacts with the story. If you have both, you, you perhaps get certain things that you wouldn't otherwise if you only had one or the other. Let the story sort of uh, meld with one another, let's say but have them be somewhat different experiences. Kind of how, uh, I don't know, Grand Theft Auto V, you may not know that if you had a, I think it was just iPhone, maybe it was Android as well, you could download an app that lets you interact with the game. Specifically, it was mostly with your car and your dog, so there wasn't too much really going on there, but it showed sort of the potential of what could happen Huh? So take that sort of idea of a handheld uh, Android and iPhone Fallout 4.5 and have it interact with Fallout 4 and release them both at the same time. What? Best idea in video games you've ever heard in your whole life, you say, I presume? Well, yeah, I I like it, and uh, I hope you do, too. Hope you do, too. Folks, that was a Friday Internet Day. That was episode 299. You know what that means? Next episode is going to be episode 3 friggin' 100. It is the most musical of all episodes, as it is an episode in which uh, I got drunk. Mm-hmm. And listened to music. Uh-huh. And then sang along with the music and a sort of stream of consciousness from my brain, my booze-addled brain flowed out into the ether and uh, it ended up being five and a half hours long. Five and a half hours long it was. Uh, I think it came out good and I don't toot my own horn about podcasting just about ever, but uh, but this episode I, I think you're going to like. And, uh, of course, since it's episode 300, that means I'm taking three weeks off of podcasting. 
Uh, just in the sense of I won't be posting anything for three weeks. I'll probably be recording the odd thing here or there. So, you know, there you go, there I go, there we go together. That will leave one final thing to say on this episode 299, and that is, of course, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.